0: hey everyone i'm chris hall and you're listening to the downtime podcast where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking first up i want to take a quick moment to thank our supporting partners who make this podcast possible and this month that's magura and canyon magura is not only providing riders like Loic bruni finnars and danny hart with the incredible braking performance that they need to race at the top level but they also make a setup that's still really powerful but much more affordable their four piston mt5 brake offers an unbeatable performance to price ratio at just 100 euros that's half the price of its big brother the mt7 which i've been using and absolutely loving yet the mt5 still offers nearly the same stability and power also with the mt5 you get to benefit from the magura customize your brake program which we talked about in a recent podcast episode That means you can choose from three different lever shapes, four different rotors and four pad compounds to adjust the brake exactly to your needs and preferences when it comes to ergonomics, stability and power. If you're looking for a brake upgrade for the season, then get yourself more control with Magura's MT brake range. Just head over to magura.com now to find out more. While you're here, don't forget to subscribe or follow the podcast so you never miss an episode. There's buttons to help you get that done over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe. Merch is available if you want to support the show. That's over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. If you want a copy of the first issue of our print project, Downtime EP, then you can do that at downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP. All the links you need for all of this stuff are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. You can also get in touch and give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook by heading to at Downtime Podcast. It's always lovely to hear from you there. All right, last week, Canyon launched their latest e-bike, the Canyon Spectral On. The team at Canyon have worked tirelessly to take e-bikes to the next level, removing range anxiety with an incredible 900 watt hour battery and creating a bike that's lively and fun to ride on the trails. Today, we're joined by Patrick Schmidt from Canyon's engineering team and Christian Parmenta from Canyon's design team to find out what it takes to produce a cutting edge e-bike. We'll be hearing about the level of detail they went into to deliver something that truly pushes the boundaries of what an e-bike can do, such as developing a brand new battery system, reducing frame weight and designing a kinematic that enables the bike to feel lively on the trail. I spent some time on the new Spectral On in Italy earlier this year and more recently on my home trails and I can vouch for the fact that Canyon have managed to create something which is heaps of fun to ride and appears to have a battery that lasts pretty much forever. What's more, for downtime listeners, you can get free bike guard on any Spectral On orders from now until midnight CET on the 3rd of May. All you need to do is to use the code FUN-ON-2022, that's all uppercase fun-on-2022 at the checkout over on canyon.com. Terms and conditions apply and you can find those in the show notes for this episode. It was super interesting to chat with Patrick and Christian about this as e-bike design has really got some different and unique challenges. So without further ado, here's Patrick Schmidt and Christian Parmenta. Patrick Schmidt and Christian Parmento, welcome to the Downtime Podcast. Patrick, we'll start with you. How's things?
1: All good. Thanks for having us, Chris.
0: Nice to be on the podcast. Yeah, it's a pleasure. And Christian, how are you?
2: I'm good. Thanks for having us. Um, yeah, uh, looking forward to our discussion. Good stuff.
0: Well, Christian, if you uh, just give us a little bit of background then, explain uh, what it is you do for Canyon, and maybe just give us a little bit of background on your career to this point.
2: Mm-hmm. So I'm a product designer. Uh, working at Canyon. Um Primarily on the mountain bikes, since I've uh, joined the team uh, around about four years ago, and I've um, my first project uh, for Kenyon was the up-to-date uh, Spectralon um, model year 20, and this it was a really interesting project, uh, not only being the first, but also being the first uh, carbon fiber mountain bike for canyon Um, and i've been studying and working in the design field for about 15 years now Mm -hmm. so um, i would say that i developed a keen eye on on design and general like product uh, aesthetics and on the same time around the same time i've always been uh, very intrigued by bicycles in my since my young teenage years, um, and lately I've been enjoying the e mountain bikes uh, very much, uh, which is um, maybe something due to my profession and job position at the moment.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Um, but it is uh, very interesting times, and I think there's still even more interesting times ahead of us in that um, specific. Area of um, lifestyle and and fun uh, products, yeah. outdoor sports related. For sure, for sure.
0: Yeah, and Patrick, what about
1: you? Uh, I'm an engineer at uh, in the bicycle industry since about twelve years now. Also, a keen mountain biker myself that why sparked the interest to go more into into depth with the bicycle industry itself, um, and. I'm with Kenyon and the e-bike department since about five years now, responsible for, in the team with Christian for the 2020 e-bike lineup ever since then.
0: Nice. And I guess start with looking at this from an engineering perspective, Patrick, what are the big differences for you between designing an e-bike and a regular bike?
1: Oh, it's about space, especially. I mean, the weight displacement is an obvious answer. But what is more important is uh, in my opinion is the space and the, the really thoroughly thinking through where you need uh which clearance and what, what space to be able to assemble all the um components you have in an e bike. Obviously it's much more and much more bulky uh componentry. Therefore you need to think way ahead and the front loading is much more much more thoroughly done. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, fair comment. And what about from your side, Christian, from a, an industrial design perspective? I mean, is there a lot more of the product, right?
2: I mean, there is more complexity in the in the product for sure, um, which makes it more difficult. But it is also maybe a um, a general approach on 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 the product or aspira- aspiration for the product in, in what. What the product really is for the customer um, to be set in, um, so to say. Um, I would say that, of course, with an e-bike you have the bigger battery, or in general a bigger tube volume, and and the motor. Of course, you want to integrate as as seamlessly as possible, as possible. But I think there is there's is much more to it um then just putting it or attaching it onto uh, a basic normal bike i think uh, product wise it is uh, it has to be a much more holistic um product in, in general for for it to be ready for the future i would say and also quite contemporary mm-hmm. um in yeah for sure yeah.
0: Okay, cool. And the, I mean, the base for this, I guess, was the previous Spectralon, which was a strong starting point. But what were the things that you wanted to progress? Where did you want to take the bike from the current Spectralon to the new one?
2: I would say it is quite important to come. I mean, in the bike, we add more complexity just due to the electrification and digitization um, to some point. is. For us, for myself, and for our design team, important to still have a very um, clean and, and very finished product, which is maybe uh, a counter to the technical complexity, mm-hmm. which I would say is important. So, aesthetic-wise and product design-wise, we wanted to keep it as clean and as simple as possible. Although that may sound uh, a little bit odd but uh, it still is something that i think is with much more complex products in the future really necessary to counterbalance the the visual distraction otherwise you would um, have in that kind of um, product
0: yeah that makes total sense and what about patrick from an engineering perspective what were you trying to achieve as a kind of step forward from the previous spectrum on
1: we mainly try to simplify the interfaces. In the previous Spectron, we used the um, complete Shimano OEM system, which has or requires a lot of satellite parts, uh, which make the bike more complex. And as Christian said, we try to simplify all those interfaces and reducing it to one central part, which is the battery as a main component.
0: Okay, and so what are the kind of key things that you need to? Decide before you really leap into doing a lot of the design and the engineering work. What do you have to agree on as a team and and lay out? Like, do you do you start with a list of kind of key goals, like a, a a range goal or a weight goal? What what's put down for you on a piece of paper before you really start laying out the design?
2: I would say that there is a lot to be decided before we start with the project. Uh, so it's important to have a good understanding of what we want and what is our vision for the product. Um, but also there are some things which are which is very difficult to see ahead of. So I think there is still some trial and error, even though we always try to eliminate it as much as possible. Um, but I think it's just based on the natural... Um, progress we have uh, between the engineering and uh, of course design and product management there is uh, a certain time horizon for the project and in that time horizon sometimes things change um, in every regard and that is something we have to always be open for but it's also interesting because it makes more not difficult but is still a, a certain challenge to meet the goals when when you started and to not lose the track um, you decided on uh, within the team before and keep that core idea of the product and what our vision was um to the final um to the final end
0: yeah. So what sort of things were were written down on that project brief I guess for this? What what were you directed to try and achieve for the bike Patrick maybe that's the, the best one for you to pick up.
1: Um one of the things we uh, we closely studied uh, the situation with the current and the previous model especially with the Spectron version but also other gener- uh, other models what was one point we had um Written down at very first was the point of range anxiety, Mm -hmm. um, battery capacity was still a topic. People are really afraid to start a loop and not be able to finish their intended loop with the given battery capacity. So this was one of our major points to, to work on and to improve on.
0: Yeah. And you, uh, you did that by I think designing a, a new battery for the bike specifically, right? How, how does that work?
1: That's correct. So we looked at first. We looked at the the given Shimano OEM system we used in the past, and um, while it is quite accomplished, it had some shortcomings, especially in terms of battery capacity options and battery shapes. So we looked into um, custom battery designs and quickly um, saw the benefit of it. Uh So this was a quite an interesting, uh, quite an interesting task from an engineering point of view because usually we are looking into, um, achieving or solving mechanic engineering problems this time was an like electronic engineering issue or problem we had to overcome, which was super, super interesting.
0: Yeah. And you've achieved, is it a 900 battery, 900 watt hour battery? Um, we came
1: up with two solutions because we, we want to give the customer the choice. We ended up with a 720 watt hour battery and a 900 watt hour battery.
0: Mm-hmm and And was it hard to create a a battery of that size that would still fit into the bike?
1: That was one of the major challenges and the the one of the biggest features of the battery is the the cell orientation, which is not the common train orientation used by other brands and oe um, suppliers but we decided to orientate the cell vertical to the down tube axis to achieve the nine hundred watt hour Battery uh, room or space within the medium sized frame.
0: And so you've had to, I think you've had to kind of rotate the motor itself, right, in order to be able to fit this new battery into the down tube, yeah?
1: Exactly. In the very early stages, we utilized a new um, prototype program within Kenyon, which is called the Frankenstein program, where we 3D print um, alloy lugs and cut carbon tubes to be able to write concepts or theories fairly, fairly easy. Mm-hmm. Within this test riding, we quickly realized that the battery weight is not the main issue, but the weight displacement is a, could really, really benefit your riding style and keep the playful character of the Spectro family and the bike family alive. Therefore, we looked around how to get the battery weight as centered as low as possible and came up with the uh, engine orientation, which is rotated up by 30 degrees.
0: Uh, okay, so you've you found that it's more about it's not about the overall weight as such, but as but where that weight is placed. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, okay, interesting. So you've got this. You've got this new battery that's been designed. You've then got to kind of integrate everything into a chassis, into a frame that works. There's a lot of things with an e-bike to fit inside, right? A lot of integration tasks. How, where do you start? How do you work your way through that and make sure that you can get everything. To fit to, to have its own space within the bike. Because you've got there's cables for the battery, there's cables for the bike itself, for brakes and gears, the battery, the motor, there's a lot of things to get in there.
1: First, we, we place all the componentry in an empty space, in an empty 3D space, and then draw a rough line around it. And then, of course, with the help of Christian and the team, we try to get this outline as tight as possible to the componentry and as nice looking as possible course yeah um as i had alluded earlier the the main task was to reduce complexity of the previous used OEM system mm-hmm. and therefore we also reduced the the cables needed the interfaces and the ports needed in the bike to make it as tightly packed and neat as possible
0: uh, okay so is that a modification to the to the shimano system or what have you changed there
1: The developed battery for Kenyon is also kind of the brain of the bike. So it includes an on battery power button, an on battery state of charge indicator, and the discharge and charge connector at the same time. So all those components were separate entities before, so they need to be interfaced and routed to, which makes the bike design more complex and more bulky.
0: Yeah, okay. And is that also, I mean, I guess. Cutting down on all that stuff is also a weight saving as well, right? Because the batteries, at that at that size, the battery is going to be a bit heavier. But you've managed to save weight in one way by getting rid of some of that cabling and additional buttons and things and connections.
1: That's correct. The main weight saver here was to reduce the interfaces, complex interfaces on the frame. In the previous generation Spectral, um, we had a lot of interfaces. Basically, every main tube had an interface, which is basically a hole with some frets or, or through holes. And all those um, holes, especially in carbon fiber, need to be reinforced to be able to pass the testing conditions and requirements. Without those um, weaknesses or weak spots in the frame design, we could achieve uh, uh, 800 grams weight savings compared to the Spectral CF model of the previous generation.
0: Wow, that's huge! A big saving, huh? Yeah. Impressive stuff. So, Christian, you're you're there trying to make sure this thing looks like, I guess, make it look like part of the Canyon family, but you're also trying to create this simplicity. Does that mean there's, to some extent, there's a tension between the industrial design and the engineering? Because uh, the, you're, I guess, making the engineering more challenging to try and get the industrial look that you want. Like, How do you work through that together?
2: I think it uh, has to be challenging. Otherwise, you don't get to the... To the extreme, where the I think good ideas on technical innovation and also or maybe on product aesthetics um, will grow or develop itself. I think a really interesting turning point was when we came up um, with the battery layout, which was shifted. So we had a very uh, wide um, down tube and a, but also very low the. Low height is something everybody wants to have, of course. It's easy to implement and easy to see. The, uh, the growing width was something that uh, more people internally were not, not so sure about. So mm-hmm. it was really interesting when we uh, had our first mock-up um, and the 3D print uh, was shown that a lot of people that were beforehand a little bit skeptical we were quite we uh, were quite positively um surprised that something when you talk about it just um making the down tube so much wider but lower is maybe not necessarily the thing that most people or product designers would try to do um you would always want to keep the surface diameter as small as possible as Easy as possible, um, but in that um, idea, I think it is quite matching because there is a certain trend of quite uh, slim but wide top tubes within the mountain bike scene. Yeah, and I w- and I would say that these kinds of uh, down tubes are much more fitting and integrating itself into the front triangle or even the whole uh, bicycle frame than maybe the basic setup we see on a lot of other e-bikes at the moment.
0: Yeah, uh, Patrick, you mentioned obviously the, the Frankenstein uh, technique that they were using to create rideable uh, prototypes by, by printing lugs and then using carbon fiber tubing. Do you have a similar thing that you use to create prototype versions of the aesthetic of the bike to show to the rest of the business?
1: Uh, what we use is the 3D print mainly, like 3D printing of uh, plastics, especially in this case. The 3D software we use, 3D cat, can visualize a lot of things, but if you have the frame in front of you and can actually physically touch it, it makes it so much easier to communicate emotions, to communicate intent towards the team and the management internally. Okay.
0: And so you are you 3D printing the entire frame then?
1: We're 3D printing the entire frame and build our entire bike out of it okay. and then be able to to get like take the guesswork out of it, yeah. show basically a familiar picture where everyone can relate to and everyone has an opinion on.
0: Yeah. And how far do you go with that? Does it get painted and stuff as well? Like, It actually looks like you can sell the bike next day. No way. So it's
1: it's really, really early stage, but the final product looks like you can actually sit on it, go riding or put it in the showroom the next day.
0: Yeah. which how, is
1: far, far off the reality.
0: Yeah, because most 3D printing, you get kind of quite a rough surface finish. Do you do something to, to finish those prototypes to make them paintable and make them look that good? Or is there a different 3D printing technique?
1: There's a good uh, 3D printing process we use, uh, especially for those products. And we have an in-house uh, paint shop where we can finish off the product at the end as well.
0: Nice. So people within the business are able to look at Basically, what looks like a finished product to make design tweaks and things from there. So, so Christian, how many of those might you go through in a project like this before you get everyone happy with the the silhouette, the the, the aesthetic of the bike?
2: Our uh, main like job and and progress is done definitely still in on the computer in okay. CAD. So we always try to work quite. How can i say mm. to work quite uh, efficiently on the cat because there's a lot of things you can see in 3d programs especially with uh, visualization programs you get a real feel of the final product you can paint it you can put artwork on it so there's a lot to be seen before you even print something out we uh, try to evaluate uh, certain things for example, down tube shapes. When we open new topics, new ideas, new dimensions, we try to print certain areas, certain parts. Maybe not the whole frame. To also use them for fitting and for yeah, just checking the technical um, difficulties and if everything is working fine. Not only um, with assembly, but also in usage. So for the customer to use. Uh, certain areas and but then there is a certain point where we have a final model which is um, everybody's very keen to have printed out and see in real life next to each uh, next to the other products Um, and it is um, a very interesting time um, especially when you see uh, everything that you have uh, worked on in CAD and th- in in theory to see everything printed out, um, becoming a real product, um, it's, uh, super interesting, I would say. Yeah.
0: yeah. And for the, within the CAD model and the computer side of things, do you use any, any techniques like virtual reality or anything like that to help visualize the product in that kind of digital domain? Or is it all just kind of on a screen?
2: Uh, as of now, at the moment, we're basically working with uh, the simple, easy tools. So mm-hmm. it's everything on screen. But I think in the future, when the whole digital um, yeah, progress behind it um, it's, is, is maybe more accessible and everybody is, um, have, has maybe found their way or their, their interest in, in how to use it. It's uh, for sure something uh, definitely to consider, I would say.
0: Cool. So Patrick, in the in the design of this bike from the engineering side, what would you say were, were one or two of the, the trickiest elements to, to achieve?
1: I would say reducing these uh, previously mentioned interfaces we used on the previous models and then complementing or substituting those with own uh, battery mountings power switch design and uh, like details like this was the most challenging. The structural component of the bike was in my opinion, not as challenging as the small tricky parts, like covers, power switches, all those, all those kinds of things.
0: Yeah. And you showed me the, uh, the cover for the battery and the motor when we were out in Italy, a few weeks ago, you were, you were proud of the work that you'd done there. It's a, a a nice, neat solution to be able to get the battery in and out easily, right?
1: Exactly. Like the the cover handling uh, had two major two major tasks. Was one, of course, say uh, protecting the battery and the whole engine uh, componentry, and then the other hand making the battery disassemble and switching super, super easily and quickly. So there were two tasks, which basically contradict each other so finding a, a optimal solution to achieve both was quite a big task
0: yeah and you've even got a little magnet in there that kind of retains the fastness for you while you're while you're doing the work right so you don't lose them
1: yeah we all know we when we wrench on bikes uh, quite often we all know working like hands-free and hassle-free is, is always appreciated therefore we want to give this um this comfort to our consumers as well
0: yeah, good work, good work. And uh, Christian, what about you? What What would you say were the, the most challenging elements of the product from an industrial design perspective? You mentioned the down tube shape being one of them. Are there other areas?
2: I think uh, the challenge with the down tube was um, when we came up with the solution and the proportion uh, was to keep it as slim as possible and not add in the pro- uh, process uh, a couple of millimeters every time uh, because there are some certain um, some, some certain um, things you need to consider afterwards for example water bottle mounting um, then there was the idea with the BMS um, which we had placed above the cells before and this was something where we uh, decided to find a different solution to really uh keep that uh s- slim that low height of the down tube and the battery um as long as possible um yeah for sure
0: what's a, what's a BMS sorry
2: BMS is
1: a battery management system which is a small PCB which regulates all those cells in the battery and controls the charging process and the discharging process.
0: Okay, a PCB is printed circuit board, right? So it's a yeah. piece of the electronics that helps the bike charge and and run itself, yeah. Controls the Correct. battery. Got it. Okay.
1: The PCB has a certain footprint you need to um, you need to make space for. We firstly had it placed above the cells, but like Christian has just said we look to make the the profile of the battery from the side view as low as possible to Reduce the, the belly of the down tube and um, cut down on the angle rotation a little bit mm-hmm. of the engine. Therefore, we decided to place the PCB on the left hand side, so resulting in an asymmetric battery shape.
0: Ah, okay, interesting. And are there any thermal concerns with an e bike? Do you have to manage anything thermally, keep temperatures down anywhere?
1: We did plenty of tests with like uh, low temperatures and high temperatures because we all know battery. Batteries in general don't like it when it's too cold. Um, the high temperature side of things is not a concern according to testing, okay. whatsoever. Yeah. So the the packaging, the battery, and the the engine that tightly together is doesn't result in any overheating concerns in this regard.
0: Okay. And what about motor calibration? Are there areas there that you can tune? I know with cars, engineers spend a huge amount of time on the calibration of the engine. Is there much that goes into the motor calibration for an e-bike?
1: The Shimano EP8 comes with uh, two profiles. We tuned those two profiles according to preferences. So the customer can switch between a stock profile and a, a custom tuned profile. But rather than that, the engine is stock off the shelf from Shimano.
0: Yeah. Okay. And like we said, we've got quite a lot of additional weight in the bike. You've managed to shave quite a lot out though through some of the clever design stuff you've done where have you ended up at weight wise for the bikes it's pretty impressive with the 900 watt hour battery yeah
1: yeah the cfr version cfr limited uh clocks in around 21.9 kilos with the 720 watt hour and 22.5 kilos with the 900 watt hour battery
0: impressive stuff and what sort of range would that give you roughly like how do you quote range on something like that
1: Range right now is quite of a, a difficult topic to discuss, to be honest, because there's not a fixed industry standard yet, mm-hmm. and range highly depends on the rider weight and the rider input. Yeah. Um, I usually compare it with the rider weights. Um, I'm a 65 kilo rider. I can use the, the 720 watt hour battery up to 1800 meters of climbing, 1900 meters of climbing, no problem. Mm-hmm. If you are a slightly heavier rider, um you might need to switch to the 900 watt-hour battery to achieve similar altitudes. Yeah. In general, with the 900 watt-hour battery above 2000 meters of altitude on a on the trail loop is no problem.
0: Yeah, and we that the afternoon that we had on the bikes in Italy, I think we kept it in turbo mode pretty much the whole time and did three fairly big runs and a good sort of shuttle between them. And I think we use one bar of battery in that time. So it was pretty, it was pretty incredible. Yeah. Insane. Um, so this weight, does that create much of a challenge from a sort of stress strain and loading perspective on the frame? Are there certain areas that you have to pay more attention to than you would do on a on a regular bike?
1: Yeah, certainly. So um, we have certain areas which are really, really low stress areas. Now, when we reduced all those holes we mentioned earlier inside the main tubes, but of course, with the battery weight hanging in the down tube, we have some area like, for example, the connection between the down tube and the C tube, which needs to be a really reinforced and co- strong connection between those two main tubes. Mm-hmm. This is also one of the reasons where we used the coming back to the to the slimness of the down tube side profile, we didn't want to add up bulk for a traditional bottle cage mount in the lower end of the down tube. But we did know we have those uh, strong connection bridge between down-tube and C-tube. Therefore, we moved um, our proprietary bottle cage interface in this area to utilize the material we have there and not be needed to bulk up the down-tube shape in general.
0: Uh, okay, so you already had enough strength in the frame there that you could add it in in that location. Correct. Yeah. What's, what sort of Do you have a rough feel for the kind of weight saving you can make with a decision like that?
1: Um, it's not less about the rate saving. It's more about the, um, aesthetical, um, aspect of the, of the downtube shape.
0: Okay. Okay. That makes sense. And one, one of the things that stood out for me riding it was that you kind of quite quickly forget that it's an e-bike when you point it downhill, it feels light and playful. I think there was only one moment where I was very late on the brakes that I remember that it had a bit more weight than a regular bike, but otherwise it, it felt, yeah, super light and playful on the trail how do you achieve that you mentioned the positioning of the weight so that's one thing i guess what about the kinematic of the bike does that play into it somehow how do you get that that playful feel from it
1: kinematic of the bike is uh, of course a big play a big factor in this playful regard we try to set up our Spectro family which is the trail bike or you can ride bike um quite poppy so to make it make it even though it's an e-bike and it comes with e-bike weight, you can still like bunny hop above obstacles. You can still pop it on the back wheel with no problem. And this combined with the battery weight displacement we mentioned earlier um, combines that natural ride feeling.
0: Mm-hmm. What and what sort of things might you do to the kinematic compared to maybe a a, a non e-bike to help give it that feeling?
1: The main things we do we we um, tweak the. The shock progression a little bit, especially in the mid stroke, okay. so because the the bike weight is a bit higher, so you need more support from from your suspension componentry. Uh-huh. What we also do is reduce the anti squat quite drastically, since you have torque on the chain basically the whole time. Um, the suspension needs to be active and supportive, even though there is a, a chain a chain drag or chain pull going on. Yeah, this also enables you to be um, climbing up much more steep terrain because the suspension is always active in this regard.
0: Uh, okay, and is anti-squat less of an issue on an e-bike because of the fact that you have that engine there, or is it? Are there is there a, a downside to allowing less anti-squat? Uh,
1: it is less of an issue because the the high torque engine is 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 pushing you or helping you up the hill, and uh, the active suspension is much more of a benefit in terms of traction. Mm-hmm. then you have a, a disbenefit in terms of bobbing or like lose of efficiency
0: got yeah. okay good stuff what about component specs then because there's you know since the the rise of e-bikes there's tons of products out there claiming to be e-bike specific some of it seems a little bit uh hard to believe but what things do you really need to change when you're specifying componentry for an e-bike versus a non-e-bike
1: componentry especially brakes obviously since we have higher frame weights we, we go to 200 uh 203 millimeters rotors directly so there's no option for for smaller rotors because it's just not um sensible in this in this regard it's a trail bike which wants to be ride- ridden aggressively It comes with a higher weight, so you need higher stopping power. Mm -hmm.
0: So, I mean, obviously you've made some big leaps forward there by getting to the point where we can have a 900-watt-hour battery in a bike that's still a very reasonable weight. Where do you think e-bike technology is going from here? Patrick, I guess we'll start with you from an engineering point of view, and then Christian, you can maybe give us some thoughts from an industrial design perspective as well.
1: There's so much happening right now with with drivetrain, uh, with e-bike e-system drives currently. So I think there is currently a lot of happening behind the scenes. So I think the the e-system drive is not uh, development is not really done yet. Uh-huh. So quite an exciting time on the horizon, in my opinion. Uh, but not much more I can talk about it right now.
0: <laughs> so you know some things, but you can't tell us. Okay. Correct. Do you think we'll see more power or do you think there's enough power in the systems that we have currently? Cause they're, they're pretty punchy. In
1: my opinion, there's, there's enough power right now. I think it's more like, when is this power needed and distributed to the, to the rear wheel and how much effort do you have to bring as the, as the rider to unlock this power.
0: Yeah. And weight, do you think we'll see weight come down significantly from where we're at with, with e-bikes for a given range? Or a given I think battery? for a
1: structural point of view, with this new spectral on, we are quite on the edge regarding of frame weight. Mm-hmm. What is a big component tree is of course the battery and the engine itself. And I think there's some potential there.
0: Yeah. Okay. And Christian, what about you from a from an industrial design perspective? What do you feel is the future of e-bikes
2: i think um e-bikes are in general um the electrified products um are going to be much more holistic um so in the future it will not be the question if it is an e-bike or not um i would say it's much more about the experience um i think e-bikes e-bikes um are kind of a trail or will be kind of a trailblazer, um, in, in the upcoming years, just due to the fact that at the moment they are quite um uh, premium, um, market oriented. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, um, possibilities, uh, on the other hand, um, to try things out, um, to I think set the customer and the user um, with a new with a new aspiration uh, for the product. Um, I mean, we can see certain similarities in the uh, consumer electronic consumer market, which I think uh, there was also a lot of um, shifting and and changes and. I would say that even though uh, product design is, is of course very important in the future, I think it will be much more about the experience of with that product, but especially about the experience. And I think uh, with the whole slogan on, on eBikes going further, um, and, and be just having simply more time on a bike, more fun on the bike. Um, this is really interesting, I would say.
0: And um, yeah. And do you think we'll see the silhouette of e bikes coming closer to non e bikes? Or do you think we'll become more used to and more accepting of that, you know, the larger down tube, the silhouette that comes with e bike? Because I think it feels like there's already a shift in some non e bikes towards that wider down tube, making use of that, for example.
2: I think ultimately, they will fuse at some point, I would say. Uh, I mean, if you see the world around us, uh, most of the things get digitized, electrified somehow. You can always argue that for some products or for some situations, it's maybe not necessary. But I think what we all can agree on is that you definitely can have more fun on an e-bike. the whole idea about it and what the current market um, offers it's is definitely not the same thing within five or maybe ten years, uh, so I think it's a bright future ahead um, specifically with that um, kind of yeah fun fun outdoor product, mountain bikes,
0: yeah especially. I- and do you see anything coming from a from the legislative side of things that will have any impact on e-bikes? There's there's not a huge amount of legislative control at the moment, I don't think, but I guess governments will become more interested.
1: I hope not, to be honest. I mean right now, at least here where we are riding, we have a really, really good relationship with the with the forest and with the council of the city. Um Since we are not motorbikes, we are mountain bikes, classified as mountain bikes right now. Therefore, we are able to use all those trail networks around us. I really, really hope that we won't get classified as vehicles in like an urban environment or like in a sportive environment, which will ban us from all those awesome
0: trails. Yeah, definitely. What what's the kind of split like where you ride between e bike and non e bike at the moment?
1: Oh, that's a good question. To be honest, I mean, we are in, in within Canyon, We are quite evenly uh, spread right now mm-hmm. in the surroundings uh, around Koblenz. Here, what I what I can observe or see, I would say it's like it's almost a fifty fifty split. Okay, not quite yet, but you see a lot of e bikes, especially since the last two years, the last two pandemic years. You see a lot of e bikes in the forest, much more than before.
0: Yeah, and do you think there'll ultimately come a point when basically everyone will be on an e-bike of some type? Will the will the standard bike as we know it kind of almost phase out? Do you think?
1: In my opinion, it will. In my opinion, the the push bike will be a highly competitive and purest product in the future. Not sure which when this future will be, but I think the the more casual, fun orientated, maybe also less trained because less time available, uh, consumer will be choosing the e-bike in the future. Especially if the downsides are quite net, negligible already, and will be even less in the future.
0: Yeah. What about you, Christian? What's your thoughts on that?
2: I think e bikes are here to stay, uh, whether you like it or not. Uh, I think there is still some, not some, a lot of improvement to be done, which also makes it super challenging to really find the balance. A lot of brands at the moment try to figure out if reducing the weight is the way to go coming closer to the right feel and quality of the normal um, mountain bike. But of course, if you really have tried for a couple of days, e um, mountain bike, um, a very progressive or really sports oriented uh, trail bike, um, there's no discussion that you have just simply more ride time. So I don't think that... The e-bike will phase out um or get too lightweight in my opinion mm-hmm. because the 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 rate um, the the range to to weight um ratio is something to be considered for sure
0: yeah yeah for sure cool well while we've got you two guys on the call both uh Obviously, have dream jobs from a lot of people's perspectives. What advice would you personally give to people listening who would you know would love to get into the bike industry and maybe do something similar to what you guys do? And, uh, and Patrick, maybe we'll start with you.
1: Best advice is probably rent your bikes on a regular basis and find shortcomings or difficulties which annoy you. And then you can obviously um, take this and think they will annoy many more people. And then from this, there comes a, a need or a wish to make things better in the future, which is a good mindset and a good starting point. Then all you need to do is apply and
0: give it a shot. Yeah, for sure. And did you study engineering at college, at university? What What's your qualification?
1: I actually didn't study engineering, to be honest. Okay. I, had a different, um, apprenticeship mm-hmm. and then just slid into this role through some lucky circumstances. Fantastic.
0: Yeah. So you've, if you, you've basically picked up everything, you know, on the job throughout your time there or
1: on the job and on self studies. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. That's awesome. Lots of, lots of patient mentors and uh, lots of reading and trial and error and yeah. One change the thing, and uh, if I would do it
2: over again,
0: fantastic, that's good to hear. And Christian, what about you? What advice would you give
2: for becoming a creative or specifically becoming a product designer? Um, I would say you have to be a really curious person, um, within the product world, what is surrounding us, um, doesn't have to be. Um, every time the on, only the super um, extensively designed products, but also in general being very curious about um, what is like contemporary, what is pushing uh, certain um, aspects in, in different product fields. Um, and then there is also time, I would say, is something that is really important. It's not something you develop uh, in a year. It needs time to have that uh, kind of, yeah, keen eye to to see things and also to imagine things. You have uh, to build up that vision for for different products and different um, purposes um, to really, yeah, create. Boundary pushing solutions, products, designs, technical innovation. I think, especially with the bicycle, everything goes hand in hand. It's a super honest product. There is a certain part which is to be shaped freely somehow, Mm -hmm. uh, you could argue. But I would say that the best bikes are when the symbiosis of Uh, technical innovation or a solution and then super eye-pleasing aesthetic package or proportion or new kind of uh, direction is fusing and uh, shaping a really unique and uh, distinctive product for a brand for us at Kenyon.
0: And I guess it's an ongoing process as well, right? It's not like you go out and learn how to be a designer and then it's done like for you you're constantly consuming you're constantly thinking you're constantly looking at other products right
2: yeah i mean it's i think it's in in other areas it might be similar you're always uh, scanning the world. you put on a certain pair of glasses and yeah scan basically the world about not only aesthetic ideas but also how something works, why does that work better than the other product or solution. Uh, when you use things, I think um, design in in the past years has uh, become so much more functional. Um, although everybody is able to create something, I think um, designing something really truly focused for, for the user, um, that it is a functional product, to be used is much more difficult than just creating an super aesthetic product. Um,
0: yeah. And are there particular areas within of product, I guess, within other industries or other other areas where you feel you draw a lot of influence into your design work? Are there particular things where you can kind of almost identify links?
2: I think um, the two really interesting areas are consumer electronic because they are so much, they have such a deep focus on user interaction, mm-hmm. and on the other hand, being a super sleek product, yeah. so fitting for a lot of people. It's all about the experience, um, and on the other hand, I think. It was up till a certain point. I'm not sure as of now uh, and what the future holds for that market. Is uh, for myself, the automotive sector. Um, they have some super interesting ideas. Um, also, as they have a very, very deep um, process in developing products, they have also a very deep uh, dive in in that design field, so they use a lot of resources. Um, they envision a lot of things far ahead. I think it's super interesting to follow. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting when every automaker um, will really focus on the on the e uh, mobility. Yeah, and really leave the old um, standard um, product appeal uh, by side.
0: Yeah, do you think we'll see any of those, like big automotive names, start to move towards e-bikes as a e-transport mechanism? Do you think we'll see brands producing e-bikes? Well, maybe are some small examples of that already, but
2: i think so i think so Um, if it's not on their own brand they will fuse with some other uh, startup idea or even um, uh, a bicycle um, manufacturer or company i think so i mean the urban environment is uh, still a big jungle i would say there is not so much at the moment they're they're all playing around but uh, the real idea to get rid of the cars in the city and have something small uh capable of of handling that that yeah that handling the the struggle in the city of theft locking leaving the whole idea behind uh, sharing a product or renting it not owning it very interesting especially also for um, product design because you have to put on a different pair of glasses um, at the moment most of the people create some sort of premium luxury product which is really easy yeah but when you think about something and you um, detach um, the the owner or the the you detach the the a personal relationship to the to the product um, it's quite interesting because um, I don't think that the answer will be that everything looks like a, a subway or yeah. uh, or a bus from inside but there is something in between you still have want to give the people some sort of um, emotional attachment but it is maybe not the super personal attachment you always had in in, in the past to a uh, premium or luxury product you bought
0: yeah interesting future yeah there's a lot a lot of stuff to keep an eye on but thanks so much for your time both of you today it's been super interesting chatting, and finding out a bit more about your roles and the work that you've done on the, the new spectral on like i said i had a lot of fun on it out in italy and hope to spend a bit more time on one in the next few weeks uh, and get more familiar with it. But yeah, thanks for your time. Look forward to seeing it get out there into the big wide world. If people want to find out a bit more, is the Canyon website the best place for them to head to?
1: Yeah, Canyon com is definitely the best place to to head to for more information.
0: Good stuff. And there's full range available, do you know, at launch or?
1: There's uh the CFR model available and there will be also a CF model available both with battery options seven twenty or nine hundred watt hours.
0: Good stuff. All right. Nice one. Thanks a lot for your time, guys. It's an absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, look forward to seeing the bike out there.
2: Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Cheers.
0: All right. That's it for this episode with Patrick and Christian. I hope you've enjoyed listening. A massive thanks to Canyon for supporting this episode. They just launched their awesome Spectralon and I've been lucky enough to spend some time on it out in Italy earlier in the year and on my home trails. The range is absolutely incredible and the ride is lively, engaging and really, really fun. You can check out the new Spectral On range over at Canyon.com and as a downtime listener, you can get free bike guard by using the code fun-on-2022 at the checkout. That's all uppercase fun-on-2022. Terms and conditions apply and they're covered in the show notes. Also, a massive thanks to Magura for supporting this episode. If you want to upgrade your braking to get incredible power and stability, along with the ability to customise the brakes to your needs, all without spending a fortune, then head over to magura.com now and check out their MT5 brakes. Here's a few other links that might be useful to you. Downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe so you don't miss an episode, forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some merch, and forward slash EP if you'd like a copy of the first issue of our lovely print project, Downtime EP. As always, spread the word and make sure as many people as possible are listening. That's it for today. We've got another episode coming up really soon. But until then, get out and ride.